On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Talk In Audio Podcast. My name is Matt Robinson, coming to you from our studio, as the good lady said, in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Audio, Facebook.com slash Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now. Uh, pleased to be joined today by a longtime friend of the show, our buddy Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet's here. How you doing today, man? We're doing pretty good today. Everybody's feeling good. I'm feeling good. You're feeling good. I mean, I'm speaking for you, but I'm all good. <laughs> uh, that's all right. You're not far off the mark. So, I mean, we'll we'll allow that. Um, I think, you know, normally we'd have spoke to you, uh, you know, on our regular rotation just before SummerSlam, but uh, you were on vacation. I was on vacation. Uh, what's the summer been like, man? I know things have been a little bit crazy. You had a honeymoon tucked in there that I think we spoke about the last time when you were on with the Zoobs, but... What's how's the summer, man? How you doing? It's been uh, it's been a busy summer. Yeah, July third, I got married. Then I went out on a little honeymoon. Uh, I took I took a lot of time off around then. Uh, time off that I needed. I realized came back a little fresher, a <laughs> little revitalized, re-energized. Right. And since then, uh, August, yeah, just kind of here and there, going away, trying to take some time, enjoy the summer, and. Uh, now getting ready to really get into the the nitty gritty well, me... of hockey season, basketball season, football season, baseball playoffs. It's all it's all getting busy over at Sportsnet, so we're gearing up for that. Well, and you've got uh, some new responsibilities I see at Sportsnet. We'll touch on that in a second, um, but I don't want to make you wait too long, and I frankly I don't want to wait too long. So before we go any further, what are you sipping on today? So, like I mentioned, I was out on my honeymoon. Uh, I went to British Columbia, and I went to the the interior, uh, Okanagan area, and we went to Penticton. Mm. was one of the stops that we made, and Penticton is an excellent craft beer scene. So anyways, I bought a ton of beer, a shit ton of beer from, <laughs> from that area, and I ended up getting uh, this from one of the places. It's called Bad Tattoo Brewing Company, and I picked up a beer called Bad Light. Which okay. is a play on Bud Light, uh-huh. understandably so. Yeah, sure. it's uh, it's one of the better uh, craft light beers that I've ever had. It's one uh, one of them that I really like is uh, Steam Whistle Session Lock Session Lager. Yeah, it's I just tried that version a week of or light two ago. beer. Yeah, 
it's 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 pretty good but this this is an excellent excellent light craft beer and uh very much enjoying it it's a nice nice uh first beer to have on a on a day that i am not working so i'm very much <laughs> enjoying it uh, I'm into something new here. This is, I guess, probably the second beer. I know I've had something from these guys before, but uh, from the Thornberry Village Cider and Brew Company, uh, which I don't know Thornberry very well, but I believe is in kind of that Blue Mountain area down in southwestern Ontario. Yep. Uh, so this is the Clark is in session. I don't know who oh, Clark is. That. Yeah, but uh, yep. nice little pig guy here on the can. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I guess he's Clark. I I picked it up because of that pig. Yes. I was like, oh, look, a pig. I guess I'll have to try this. Uh, so it's a Session IPA, uh, 4.7%, it says here. And it's supposed to be a little fruity, little uh, all kinds of stuff going on with that. So that's what I'll be into today. Um, let me put you on the spot because uh, a lot of our listeners from the nation's capital region, um, and you, uh, you, just, you were into town briefly a month or so ago. And uh, I know you hit up one of my favorite spots, the Elgin Beer Project. And uh, for those who are unfamiliar, basically the whole deal is just all the local breweries and, and some stuff from outside the region uh, right there in one spot. You Instead of having to tour from brewery to brewery, you can just sample there. Is there anything off the top of your head that you can remember that you sampled from the uh, the Ottawa region that you might want to uh, shout out here on the show? So I did, I, I grabbed something from Dominion City. Um, nice. I don't remember exactly what it was, but somebody who I know in the Ottawa region, uh, she works for the company that owns Stiegel, that it's an Austrian-based yep. beer company. And anyway, she's a huge into craft beer, so she recommended a few. So I, I went over to Dominion City and ended up hitting, picking up the uh, the Sunsplit IPA, nice. which, I, which I really enjoyed. That was a tasty little beverage. <laughs> Uh, and then there's a couple other ones. One of them was, uh, I think one of them was like a lager. Okay. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was now, but I picked up a few and all the beers that I had from Dominion city. I remember, uh, there were none that I said, mm, I wouldn't get this again. So right. they were, they were all pretty, they were all pretty tasty. Yeah. It's, uh, one of the, the more well-known breweries in the auto area and they make a lot of really nice stuff. And a lot of ones they'll do like in a, in the smaller can, like I'm a big stout guy, like anything, uh, both in beer taste and in body type. And uh, when you, um, they'll do like a couple of, almost every year they'll try a different like 11% stout, but just in a smaller can, right? And and they're 11. not a fr- Yeah, it's an nice, some imperial stuff that uh, you're kind of by the end of it relieved that it's like, it's a good beer, but you didn't need a tall boy of it, right? You were kind of happy with how they sized it out. So they're not afraid yeah. to experiment, which is pretty cool. That's good. I'm, uh, I'm personally, so I, I, Whatever I like tall cans, but a lot of the time I'm fine with just a short can, right? Especially if I'm drinking, you know, an eight percent IPA. Like, sure. I don't need this much of it. Yeah. Tall, small can is fine with me. Totally fine with me. If I'm going to a Blue Jay game and I just the only option is like Bud Light, then sure I'll get a tall can because <laughs> I don't really want to get up it. that often. Yeah, exactly. Uh, have you been down to the dome? Yeah, I've been to. Uh, I've probably been to six or seven games. Oh now. wow. Yeah, I yeah I've been trying to take advantage as much as I can because uh, I'm not sure if listeners know, but when you work for Rogers uh, as I do with Sportsnet, uh, you get a discount on Blue Jays tickets. Nice. So I've been trying to take advantage as much as I possibly can, having not seen live sports for quite some time. I just I was jonesing for it quite a bit. What have you thought of the uh, the vibe? Fifteen thousand people are making an awful lot of noise in there. I, I I I'm far from the first person to point it out, but it has been. 
I don't know, amusing slash concerning. I guess it really depends on your level of uh, of hesitancy or, or whatever that all 15,000 of them seem to be sitting right behind home plate in that kind of one area. Um, yeah. Does it feel all right going in and out of the dome? You feeling like they're taking good care of you or what's it been like down there? Yeah, you know, I, I haven't felt, I wasn't sure how I'd feel going into a big, huge group kind of atmosphere the first time that I did it, but uh, I didn't feel too bad. The first few games I went to, I sat in the socially distanced section, which okay. is more down the lines. Yeah. And to be honest, I wish that the Jays would do that more often because then I don't have somebody b- directly behind me <laughs> screaming at Charlie Montoyo to trade Lourdes Gurriel for sure. Mike Trout or something like that. And I mean, if you could. Thinking that that is a realistic possibility. <laughs> right. Or, or just somebody in the area constantly trying to start the wave. Just fuck off. Don't give me that shit. Uh, so uh, it's it's been... I haven't felt uncomfortable. I will say that. And yep. then I'm actually... I'm going to a game... I'm going to a couple games next week. And now the Jays, you can only get in if you're vaccinated. Yep. So... Being vaccinated, it's, you feel pretty good about heading sure. in there, and everybody else is also vaccinated, so you feel pretty safe in that regard. It's uh, it's a little more, even more comforting. But yeah, I think that uh, the Jays have been doing a good job in general with trying to keep everyone safe and the ushers doing their best. Where the ushers see people not wearing their masks, yeah. but they're not going to come up and scream at every single person who's doing it. I think it's just if you're being a dickhead, they're going to come and tell you to put on your mask. It just, you know, try and be respectful of everybody in the area. Yeah. Uh, and just don't be an asshole. And from what I understand, it's been pretty tame at the Rogers Center. Now, I haven't heard of any big, bad incidents as of yet. Yeah, I had a friend of mine who was down there the other day. Her and a girlfriend went, and um, she said the same thing. Like, she said there was... There were times where you definitely wish a few more people were wearing their masks, but you just sort of overlooked it. She said, I'm vaccinated, you know, and I chose to come here to a crowd, so there is a certain amount of risk and everything. But the one guy that wasn't wearing a mask was also shouting at everyone who was, and, you know, like, just being a total... And she's like, you're just, at some point, like... I'm not saying anything to you, despite the fact that you're the one existing outside of what we're supposed to be doing here, and yet you have to yell that we're sheep and what. So, now, that's not a Jays thing. That's not a Rogers Center thing. That's just some people, you put 15,000 people in any building, some of them are going to be assholes, right? So, no way around that, I guess. But, yeah, it's it's just, you're sort of counting on each other when you go to these things, right? To all sort of be on the same page. And like you said, that's going to be less and less of an issue as now they've insisted that uh, everybody has to be vaccinated to be in there, which is which is fair enough. Um, look. Yeah, you know, I uh, I heard that uh, Jake Lamb, he got his vaccination, and then that one guy, he just kept yelling at him, Jake Sheep. <laughs> oh my god, it's terrible. Get it? It's terrible. <laughs> it's just awful. I can't even take credit for it. It's, <laughs> it's I, it was a random Twitter some Twitter. Uh, thing that I saw. I don't remember who did it, but I just remember I laughed at it and said, ha, that's dumb. But then I've remembered it for like three weeks. Of course. So obviously it stuck with me. Um, One of the reasons we wanted to have you on is over the last, we've been building to a point here, but it seems to have been put into overdrive here in the last month or so is this upheaval in the wrestling industry and and things are moving fast. Things have been really interesting and I wanted to to get your take and to kind of enlighten us on it a little bit. But just before we do, I know you've had uh, something else put on your plate here recently over at Sportsnet. We've been seeing you popping up as a friend of Tim on uh, on Tim and Friends. Uh, how does that opportunity present itself, man? What's it been like? Because 
you know, that's a it's a high profile show they got going on there on the network, and and you're kind of working yourself. Maybe maybe gonna be the new Sid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, anybody's gonna replace one Mister Sixero. There's right. only one Sid. And, True. Uh, yeah, you can find him on breakfast television. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, it's been it's been rad getting to do it. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I know everybody who works on that show. I know them. I know almost everybody very very well. Uh, former producer, senior producer of Sportsnet, George Stukakis, who's now actually with the Blue Jays, uh, before he left in February when the show, when Tim and Friends was just about to set to get launched, mm-hmm. uh, he mentioned the role of the digital producer, which is the role that Jesse Rubinoff usually does right now. They mentioned that originally it was going to be kind of, they were going to kind of cycle through some stuff a little more quickly, cycle through some dudes that were going to be able to do it. And he mentioned my name. So anyways... Um, the show wanted to get their feet under them and get everything settled and get everybody feeling comfortable about what the show is. So, uh, it took a while, but I finally got my opportunity uh, a few weeks ago now to get on there and yeah, just kind of vibe with Tim. Um, and it's just been a, the, the way I got it is just, I did some on-air stuff with Sportsnet and some other avenues and I think... People just listened to some of the creative shit that I had done and throughout the shop, and they said that I'd be a good fit. Uh, so a couple producers said, let's get him on there. Timmy wanted to get me on there, and and so it was. I uh, jumped on with Tim and Friends and had, I'll say that I had a fantastic time. It was, it's a lot of fun working with those dudes, uh, those men and women who work on that show. They're extremely hardworking, and I will say that in Sportsnet, I'm not sure if there's anyone who cares more about their position, their role, than Tim McAuliffe does with his position in that show. He cares so much about every single piece of content, whether it comes on the television show, uh, through the Twitter and Instagram accounts, uh, any sort of piece of information that's coming out from Tim and Friends, Tim has a say on it, and he cares so much about making that show good. And it's it's awesome to work with somebody like that. Yeah, Tim's been on this show a time or two. He's a good guy. Like he, you know, he never makes you feel like he's bigger than anybody, right? He he just wants to talk. And oh yeah, yeah. I submitted a couple things to him actually during, um, you know, just because every now and then we'll trade a message or two. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say you know Tim and I are best friends, anything like that. But he's always been very cool to me, right? And and just in terms of doing this show and then chatting sometimes in between and um, just said like. I wanted to submit a couple things during the Paralympics. I said, be cool if you could like find two or three minutes somewhere just to mention this and that. And, uh, you know, people who listen to this show for a long time know that one of my best friends was over there as a Paralympian. So I'm a little bit biased, right? But he mm-hmm. took the time to go, it's a good pitch, man. It's as good as a lot of the stuff we see in here. And, um, you know, he makes time for everybody, right? So it's been cool to see you on there. Is that going to be a thing you think now that, you know, you kind of continue in a rotation there now that they've got their feet underneath them? Or how often can we expect to see you on there? Nothing, nothing that is uh, able to be predicted in terms of okay. a rotation. Uh, but it is going to be every now and then, mm-hmm. any time that right now Jesse Rubinoff isn't able to do it. Uh, he's getting married pretty soon, so right. I'll be when he's off for the marriage, and then I'm not sure if he's taking a honeymoon. But whenever he takes time off, I'll be doing it. And then it's I'm hoping that it just leads to a, a few more more regularly or recurring roles sure. that I'll be able to pop my ugly mug out there and let everyone see me and make some 
shitty wrestling and Simpsons jokes <laughs> well, as I go along with uh, it. I saw the one you shared on Twitter, and we'll drop the audio in here. Excellent use of uh, of the Rock there, <laughs> calling out Tim McAuliffe on your uh, on the football picks. So uh, it was originally I was looking for for those who don't know. So Tim, origin in our in my first week of doing the show, we there's a segment that's sponsored by Sports Interaction, so we do. Uh, we do some football picks and Tim went two and oh week one. I went one and one and he was rubbing my face big time in, in just like an internal meeting. So then I said, I said, uh, in the meet, I was like, do, do this on the show. And then, uh, he, uh, he didn't ask why, but he just did it anyways. Yeah. And then I was looking for, cause I wanted to say that as guaranteed yes. the way that Vince McMahon used to say it yes, back okay. in the nineties where yep. you go like, I guarantee it. But anyways, I couldn't find something that was super good. But anyways, then I found that clip. That's The Rock before WrestleMania 19 talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Saying I was going to beat that bald-headed bastard. <laughs> so I found that one. I knew that Tim would love it. So, yeah, I... I uh, A I fellow bald-headed cut, bastard. <laughs> I, yeah, I cut, I, I cut that together and yeah, it was it was pretty funny. Tim, came off Tim really played into it too. He enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, it's been awesome to see, man, and I know you've been plugging away there at Sportsnet for for quite a while. So it's cool to see you getting a little more airtime on one of the main properties there. And so, uh, thanks, man. Yeah, we'll we'll look forward to seeing some more of it. Let's talk some wrestling. Um, Hell yeah! Look, I have a tendency of getting into a conversation and kind of pitching my notes and just following where the conversation goes, and I, I'm okay with that normally. But I have this thing that I was one of the last things I had written down. And I want to make sure that we get to it. So I'm actually going to lead off mm-hmm. with it. Owen Hart. And, um, you know, a guy that we tragically lost in 1999 in that horrible accident back in Kansas City. Uh, for people unfamiliar, he was supposed to do a spectacular entrance from the ceiling. Um, it was an issue with the rigging. And he fell to his death during the middle of a, of a wrestling pay-per-view. Ever since then, um, and understandably so... Martha, his wife, and, and, you know, the family haven't been willing to do almost anything and maybe nothing at all with WWE. There was litigation. Obviously, she felt they were responsible for the loss of Owen's life. And so while they have at times been interested in putting him in the Hall of Fame or releasing a DVD set or things like that, she has refused to allow them to profit off of his name and, and really do anything with it. This week... Uh, All Elite Wrestling announced that they're going to do something with his name. Can you tell us a little bit about what this is and maybe, you know, how surprised you were to see it kind of pop up? You know, it was, I'm not sure I was surprised to see it pop up because right now it just feels like anything that AEW does, it's gangbusters. Yep. They just hit on everything that they've been doing lately. So it didn't surprise me to see that, Owen Hart's name and legacy was being honored in AEW. Um, it it just it made sense to me. There were a lot of wrestlers in WWE who always wanted Owen to be honored because they loved him. Mm-hmm. But where the the rift was, where the cavern existed between the two camps of that being Martha, Owen's uh, widow. And WWE is that Martha just didn't like Vince McMahon and didn't want WWE profiting off the death of her husband in one of their rings where she felt that there was never enough responsibility taken by WWE in terms of the death 
Um, and so she didn't want to see the company making money off her husband's death. Now, there were a lot of people surrounding WWE, Bret Hart for one of them, Owen's brother, who said, you know, maybe it's time that we let WWE honor Owen, and that in being at least uh, WWE Hall of Fame induction. Sure. Martha still said no. And it still came down to the fact that WWE was interested in just profiting off Owen's death. And that's how she that's how she viewed it. And it's mm-hmm. it's tough to argue with a, a widow in that regard. Of course. So this time AEW comes around and they lay their cards on the table. They've come out as a company who seem not just seem, but are certainly acting on being socially responsible. Uh, in everything that they've done, they've bridged gaps between a lot of different camps. Uh, Bret Hart has appeared on AEW television. He was the first one to introduce the AEW championship, for those who remember. Right. Uh, the night that uh, Chris Jericho defeated Hangman Adam Page to win the first ever AEW championship. And so, and so Martha, paired with the Owen Hart Foundation, I can't speak for her, but she must have felt very, very comfortable in using AEW as a platform to share the message of the Owen Hart Foundation, raise money for the Owen Hart Foundation, and in that way, honor Owen's legacy. And there are a lot of wrestlers in AEW who want to honor Owen Hart's legacy. Uh, Mark Henry is one AEW uh, employee who absolutely loved, loved, loved Owen. And he's right. been, he was for years in WWE advocating for WWE to honor Owen. Is Actually, in Mark Henry's Hall of Fame speech not too long ago, he he reached out to Martha specifically in the speech, Martha Hart. And he said, and she said, Martha, it's time to let Owen be honored. So he would have a stake in wanting Owen to be honored in AEW. Uh, Chris Jericho is had always, always loved Owen Hart growing up. So that's, that's huge too. There are a ton of wrestlers who credit Owen with being inspirations and influences on their wrestling careers. So now, now it's kind of as my phone rings as uh <laughs> It's kind of cool to see Owen get the recognition that he so properly deserves. And there's no... If Owen ever did get honored in WWE, there would always be people just going, I don't know, this feels maybe a little sleazy, just Mm -hmm. WWE trying to make some money off an Owen Hart shirt or something like that. Now it it feels very transparent in everything that's being presented to you. It's via the Owen Hart Foundation. Martha has for years resisted putting Owen's name out there, uh, even after multiple calls for him to be recognized, to be honored. So now that she has finally accepted this, now that AEW has done it, after so many other examples of them being socially conscious, uh, you know, CM Punk praising them a ton for him getting back into wrestling, everybody who goes over there saying, I've fallen back in love with wrestling here. Uh, so the the positive PR that AEW has received and has generated over the past, over their first couple of years of their life uh, has definitely influenced the way that this Owen Hart announcement uh, will be perceived. Would you say it's fair? Look, obviously when you lose some, when you lose your husband, you're, you're going to be upset. You're going to hold people responsible. You're going to want them held responsible. Is it fair to say, because I guess it would be almost two years ago now, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. I, you know, you'll understand, we've sort of lost all concept of time here over the last 18 months. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Martha Hart appeared on uh, Chris Jericho's podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, she also 
was willing to allow uh, the the documentary team that's been making the Dark Side of the Ring series to do a story on Owen and where she and um, Owen's kids were willing to speak, which, man, I can't even, I don't know if I've ever seen them speak before this, like since I've seen her speak when all of this happened, right? Uh, you know, outside courthouses and things like that. Mm. Do you think that this is her, like, I'm not sure how to ask the question. Is she ready to let the, I always sort of got the sense that, that she was open to the idea and, and didn't hate or turn her back on all of Owen's fans. She understood that wrestling fans loved Owen, but that for the longest time, WWE was the only vehicle to reach them. And now there's another vehicle. Do you think that this door to him being recognized in the wrestling community again was always there if another company wanted to do it? Or do you get the sense that she sort of had to warm up to this a little bit and at the same time, then All Elite Wrestling comes along and is prepared to do it. Do you know what I'm asking? Like, yeah, I th- I think I do. I don't I don't think it could have been any wrestling company. You know, like Ring of Honor could have done a good job sure. in honoring Owen Hart, but they also don't have the platform to widely distribute the message that Martha wants to get out there via the Owen Hart Foundation, and also the promotional aspect to it. I mean, AEW is a, I just like a monster yes. across the United States and a little bit through Canada now. Uh, and I think that Martha particularly must have warmed up to the... Uh, like the Jericho the con- podcast, the- that's a wrestling thing, right? And the dark yeah. side of the ring, that, she hadn't done any of that stuff. It does sort of seem like there's been a gradual here over the last couple of years, okay, I'm ready to let... Res- I'm not ready to let Vince profit off of this, but I am ready to let wrestling fans kind of have this opportunity to celebrate Owen? Martha was, I think you're right in saying that she always wanted wrestling fans to have the opportunity to honor her husband. And now that there's a company that she, she spent some time with, she didn't immediately say, okay, let's do it. She spent some time with it. Right. She spent some time around the company. She knows Chris Jericho. She must've met with Tony Khan multiple times and, By all accounts, everything that Tony Khan talks about, he's a pretty legit dude who people seem to trust. So it must have just been a warming up period. And finally, she said, everything seems to make sense here. I'm comfortable in letting Owen's name appear with this wrestling organization without the feeling that there's a bunch of heinous bullshit behind it or just corporate, corporate, corporate ass hattery that's going on with it (laughs) so what is this uh you know we we've referenced that uh, the own heart foundation is going to partner with aew here moving forward what is that going to look like by all counts it just seems like uh owen's going to be able to be on there's going to be uh the own heart cup right so it's like a tournament right yeah which is going to be a tournament uh similar to like the Dusty Rhodes Cup in NXT, Mm -hmm. uh, except I think this is a singles tournament from what I understand. Yes. Um, And so Owen's legacy will be honored that way. Uh, I think AEW's partnered with Pro Wrestling Tees to sell uh, the Owen Hart Foundation shirts. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that'll raise some money for the Owen Hart Foundation that uh, Martha still runs. And... Basically, that's that's the involvement in it. And also, I think the the biggest aspect is the fact that these wrestlers, they fucking love yes. Owen Hart. 
he's a hero to so many of them. And it's got to be cathartic for so many of them to be able to honor their hero this way, particularly someone like Chris Jericho, who grew up idolizing Owen. Right. Yeah, it, I think it's super cool. I, You know, you and I have talked on here, talked wrestling a few times. That's right in my wheel. That Brett Owen feud in 94 is in mm. the heart the of my um, wrestling viewing. And, and there's a clip that makes its way around every now and then on Twitter where it's just Brett and Owen, just a lockup, and Owen kind of like shoves him back a little and it turns, yeah! Right? Like yeah, it gives the woo! Yes, yeah. he's like he's won the whole, like won the title or something. Um, he was so good. And so it is cool to see that, yeah, these wrestlers are going to have an opportunity, but also the fans are going to have the opportunity to kind of have this this beloved character kind of brought back to life a little bit and, and presented in a way that, you know, you kind of get to say goodbye or, or celebrate a little bit because obviously it became so bitter and, and again, rightfully so after his death that, you know, after that kind of first Raw where they all celebrated his life, it was basically like he never existed, right? They had to stop talking about it because they were going to be going to court and, you know, you just never wanted to touch on it again. So, mm-hmm. um why don't we talk about something a little bit more cheery, man? And this has been a wild period for the wrestling business in general. Uh, we're coming up, is it, I guess we're right around two years now since the launch of Dynamite. Dynamite, yep. So that is the equivalent for, you know, uh, fans not familiar. That is uh, AEW's version of Monday Night Raw. It airs every Wednesday night on TNT television uh, in the United States and up here uh, on those other guys that uh, Kevin doesn't work for. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't even know how I watch it. Yeah. It just, uh, <laughs> just kind of shows up on my television. I don't think, I don't even think it's on a channel. Um, they've been building steam. And, you know, I think there was sort of this feeling from the more casual wrestling fan, which I probably fall into, you know, in the last several years, that. I don't know what the best term would be, but that it's almost the more hardcore organization. And not hardcore in like steel chairs and tacks, but these are these are the guys that wrestling fans really know, right? They've maybe followed them through Japan or through Ring of Honor, and they're not all big names that were on Raw or SmackDown with, with WWE for years and years. And then they've started to sprinkle in some of those guys. You referenced Chris Jericho and, and Matt Hardy. But over the last little while there's been some of those bigger names that have started to trickle in over the last month or two. We've seen uh, Brian Danielson, who was of course, Daniel Bryan in WWE. He's arrived. Adam, um, Cole, baby. Adam Cole, baby. <laughs> I, 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 I mix him up with Adam page. I, every single time it's, I'm just a bit of a simpleton. Uh, CM Punk, of course, you know, probably one of the, the biggest names in the last decade in wrestling, despite the fact that he hasn't been around since 2014. His name was still chanted at all kinds of shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lands in AEW. And we start to see over the last couple of weeks, the ratings, at least in the, the big demos, that 18 to 49, have started to switch to the point where AEW is outdrawing what Monday night typically draws. And I, it would only be fair to mention the caveat that over the last couple of weeks, we have also seen the return of Monday Night Football, which every year takes a bite out of, out of Monday Night Raw. But that is still, you know, unthinkable probably two years ago. Maybe that people believed someday AEW could get that, but that they would already be drawing more than Monday Night Raw. What have you made of 
the last I don't know, month or two uh, specifically, just in terms of the shifting landscape. And, and we can dive down on a couple of points, but just in general, sort of how have you sort of witnessed this over the last month or two and, and exactly what's happened? This is the greatest time to be a professional wrestling fan since the late 90s, early 2000s. Right. That's that's what it is. For the first time since then, and TNA slash Impact Wrestling does not count, there is a legitimate alternative that is playing a different game than WWE, but with the same poker chips. They can push just as many chips into the middle as WWE can, although WWE still makes far more money just based on their longevity of the company and all the special interests that they already have invested in. TV deals and Peacock and... yeah, Just so many international (laughs) television broadcast deals that make them so much money. Anyways, they're still... Goliath when it it comes to monetary ways. Monetarily, I should say. Um, But in terms of pure wrestling product, AEW is presenting fans with something that is... You you can't call it opposite of WWE because the product in the ring is similar. It's still professional wrestling on both television programs. Where AEW differs from WWE is in the fact that they're not trying to they're not trying to hide the fact that the crowd is there and wants something different. Consequences be damned. AEW has positioned themselves as a wrestling organization that will listen to their audience and present the audience with different matches, scenarios, bookings that appeal directly to the audience. And WWE doesn't necessarily do that, it seems. It seems as though their positioning is for characters that they deem will get over the biggest, not who the audience sees will get over the biggest. And I'll use an example, not not Daniel Bryan, not or Dan, Bryan Danielson or <laughs> CM Punk. You bring those guys on a television program, yeah, they're pretty popular. We all understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will use the example of Ruby Soho, who used to be Ruby Riot in WWE. Ruby Soho gets Ruby Riot gets released from WWE. Uh, she rebrands herself as Ruby Soho, uh, who uh, Rancid actually gifted her the name. Love that. Uh, Lars yeah, reached out to her, said exactly. You should, yeah, uh, Lars you reached should out to her and actually said, using yeah, the like, song. You, it's awesome. You sh- yeah, she he, he was like, you should just be Ru- Ruby Soho, and she was just like, fuck yeah. So she went <laughs> ahead with that. Um, Ruby Riot was not unpopular, but I think you can say that she was simply noteworthy sure. on WWE television. You knew she was there. She did some things where you went, oh, yeah, she's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, she has a rad look. And that's the way that WWE viewed her. Oh, yeah, she has a pretty cool look. You know, she looks punk rock, a bunch of tattoos. That's cool. But never really utilized in a way that positioned her as something bigger than what they thought she could be. She comes over to AEW. She's positioned immediately as this massive star. She has these cool vignettes that she puts on Twitter and Instagram, and she comes out, and all of a sudden, she's immediately wrestling for their top championship. This is what fans always wanted. They thought that she was rad. 
But it wasn't just, she's got a cool look. It was, she's fucking cool, man, and I wouldn't mind seeing more of it. Right. And now you're getting that. And now you're getting an opportunity to see more in terms of her uh, microphone chops, in terms of her personality. You get to see a little more of that, and you're like, wow, she's actually cooler than I already thought she was, and she's already pretty rad. So that's an example of wrestling fans being gifted something that they've wanted and being gifted it's and it's better than what they could have wanted. That's what AEW is presenting wrestling fans is the alternative to WWE in watching wrestlers flourish in what they want to see. They also have this. They're also doing this thing where uh, they call. I'll keep. I'll keep rambling, Maddie. Sure. Uh, they do this thing called the Forbidden Door. Not sure if you've heard this, <laughs> but the Forbidden Door has remained closed for many, many years. And basically, what that Forbidden Door is is you wrestle for one company, and that's the that's the company you stick with. You're not you're not going anywhere else. If you wrestle for WWE, you're not going to catch this person wrestling in Ring of Honor. Like right. that ain't happening. It was only in the last few years where you saw wrestlers wrestling in, let's say, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and then they'll come over to America and they'll wrestle in Ring of Honor. That's kind of the extent of it mm -hmm. when you're wrestling for a major organization. If you're in Impact Wrestling, you're generally in Impact Wrestling. If you're in WWE, no chance you're going anywhere else. Um, AEW has said, fuck that. People want to see these dream matches, so let's do it. You have Minoru Suzuki coming over from New Japan Pro Wrestling and... Uh, wrestling John Moxley in America after they had already wrestled in Japan. Right. Uh, you you have Christian Cage coming into AEW, going over to Impact Wrestling, winning their championship against an AEW wrestler in Kenny Omega, and then now he will be defending this AEW wrestler will be defending the Impact World Championship on Impact Television against an Impact star. Right. You have these dream matches that AEW is gifting everybody. They have said, what's the point in closing this forbidden door? People <laughs> want it. Let's give it to them. Let's figure out a way to make this work for both companies. Uh, everybody behind the scenes seems to say, we don't, you know, for lack of a better term, everybody put their dicks away and let's all... <laughs> Let's all be friends here because we certainly can be. And that's exactly what we're getting. Uh, a match that I'm so fired up to see soon is from Impact Wrestling, Josh Alexander, Canadian. He is going to be taking on Christian Cage, Canadian, for the Impact World Championship. And it's going to be a fucking badass match because people know that Josh Alexander's good. But I'm not sure a lot of people have seen him. So now this is an opportunity to showcase to the world just how good this wrestler is that people may have just seen online. And now everyone's going to be able to see it. So it's a win for AEW where one of their biggest stars was showcasing uh, some, some of their impacts gold on AEW television. And he's putting on a good display for AEW. He's wrestling in AEW and now he's going over to impact and he's probably going to put over an impact star, a younger impact star. It's going to be awesome. Well, I'm so glad you, you wrapped this up that way. Like or that, for people who don't totally follow the wrestling industry, you're talking about comic book crossovers, right? Like, how yep. do we get our characters interacting with each other? And in an industry that's built on simulating fights, the the hiccup always becomes if I let your champion beat my champion, my champion looks weak or my league looks mm -hmm. weaker, right? Yeah. And so it's it can be complicated. It can be tricky. And so in this case, yeah, Christian Cage is carrying around on AEW television someone else's title. 
but he is you've now brought all of that audience to your show and a portion of their audience back to your show to see how this is going to work. It's good for everybody. It's good for business. And as you say, at some point, Christian's going to go back there and he's going to put somebody over. Like you're going to get your belt back as long as you're yeah. all working together. And it creates this intriguing storyline outside of what's going on on the day-to-day television. It's it's really been an interesting thing to watch how open-minded they've been uh, to work with all these different promotions across the world and and to see what it's doing to the wrestling industry. And I guess one of the things I'd ask you about this, and, and it's not to say that both companies don't take pride in both portions, but is it fair to say that AEW is putting more of a focus? They still have promos, they still have interviews, and, and some of them are pretty good, most of them are pretty good, um, and it's far less scripted, but they're willing to focus a little bit more on the wrestling side of it. Funny that, on a wrestling television show. Uh, Have a little more wrestling content, focus more on really good wrestlers, as opposed to WWE, who, you know, they obviously at times take pride in having people who put on really good matches, but they're maybe more interested in the the glitz and glamour, the sizzle instead of the steak, right? Bill Goldberg's coming back in, and Bill Goldberg is a big name, and there's going to be a huge pop when he comes out with that famous entrance but once he gets in the ring it's not not going to be ideal um is that's that's being nice is it fair to say that that. you know wwe is more the glitz and glamour whereas aew is willing to entertain the fans that are more yeah i i came here to see some wrestling matches the wwe is in the business of character development not necessarily pro wrestling it's they're they're a television show they're not a as vince mcmahon always famously said it's like oh like ted turner once said to him it's like well vince i'm in the wrestling business and vince said like well we're in the entertainment business pal right it's and that is what wwe continues to be um i was on one of i can't remember which call it was but i was on one of wwe's quarterly financial calls and basically one of the things they want to do is they want to start they want to take the Marvel fan base type deal that Marvel was um, that Marvel uses, where like they have comic book heroes and everybody gets their own movie and yada yada yada. And they want to do that with their wrestlers, right? So Roman Reigns is going to be—I'm not a comic book guy. He's going to be fucking Iron Man or something <laughs> like that. Sure. And uh, Roman Reigns is going to get movies for that. So they want to franchise their superstars and make them comic book heroes. They're not just wrestlers, damn it. They're (laughs) bigger than that. Right. And that's exactly what they want. AEW says, no, no, these are professional wrestlers. And, like, everybody in AEW wants to be a professional wrestler. Not a superstar. You see Daniel Bryan come over and he just says, he's like, I'm not a superstar. I'm a professional wrestler. Right. Andre uh, El Idolo, like he's a professional wrestler. Yeah. They, the, these guys, they want to wrestle. They don't want to be comic book heroes. Right. And that's the, that's what AEW is presenting. And they're also doing it in an entertaining fashion. Like you said, they have fun little segments where uh, they'll do, they'll, they'll have behind the scenes kind of uh, verbiage that fans can get into uh, little Easter eggs here and there that are fun for everyone to listen to. It's it's just different in the presentation that they're not trying to pull the wool over your eyes necessarily. We're watching this with a wink and a nod. We know what professional wrestling is, and AEW, we're 
AEW's given us the wink, and we're winking right back. Uh, we watch WWE, and it's it's it doesn't feel like it's that kind of transactional t- television watching where we're supposed to watch and we're supposed to like what's being presented to us. And that's kind of the end of that. I think there's a... One of the things, and, and you know, we've talked about this, I think, before on the podcast when you were on, was that back in the late 90s, early 2000s, there's two huge personalities that stole the show and won the, the war for WWE against WCW. And that was Stone Cold and it was The Rock. And those guys became huge superstars, every bit as big as, if not bigger, and certainly now bigger for The Rock, than WWE slash WWF ever was. And there's been this theory that Vince doesn't want that to happen again, because at some point, Stone Cold walked out on him and came back, but, you know, kind of derailed the show for a bit. The Rock goes off and becomes a movie star. He doesn't really need WWE anymore. He pops back in when he thinks it's going to be fun, and it's a nice surprise, and I do enjoy it still. I'll tune in if I know The Rock's going to be on. Um, but the thought or the theory, whether you buy into it or not, is sort of that, okay, we can't have that happen anymore. The poll has to be WWE. The poll has to be WrestleMania. And regardless of who we put on the card, you'll show up. As far as WrestleMania goes, that is panned out. People buy that show or used to buy tickets to that show, um, long before you see what the card even is. You just know I'm going to go to WrestleMania and it's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And... Now you sort of have this landscape that you watch, and while some guys are certainly more popular than others, they've had a hell of a time making huge stars that you really care about. And just this past week, we saw a guy that hardcore wrestling fans truly believed deserved an opportunity. They call him Big E. He won the WWE Championship last Monday night on Raw, cashed in the Money in the Bank thing. He's the champ. The very next week... They have a non-title match, and he's the one who takes the pin in a triple threat. And I'm sure it's building to something, right? I'm sure they'll do something. with. But while the fans were so excited to see this guy that they've cheered for on the undercard forever finally get an opportunity and finally get, you know, to, to wear the title and be the top guy, and the very next week, it feels like they cut the knees out from under him. And it stops you from ever fully investing in a guy who might become a huge star because you know they'd really rather just have, you know, here's all our guys, come see us next Saturday at the Oshawa Civic Auditorium or whatever it's going to be, right, when we roll into town. Is that theory, in your mind, unfounded that they would like the the brand to be the, the draw and not the guys? And, you know, do you think that, that it's one of the things that's really hurting them right now. I will say that WWE is the brand, is the draw right now. Uh, but By having design? said that, it is a two-way street. Yeah. You, you, no, uh, you need you need to be able to draw people in still. Like you can't just say WWE and We'll have the first some half of the summer they had from John Cincinnati, Cena, right? We'll be wrestling, and all those shows drew huge yeah. numbers. And then he left, and then they stopped drawing huge numbers. It's... So they they need they need to be able to put on a product that people still respect as being good. However, WWE is still bigger than any wrestler that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 
just based on the fact that they can make so much money still and losing someone like Daniel Bryan won't really affect them that much. Right. It's they still have to be in the business of pumping out good talent and they're still attempting to do that by the way that they've changed uh, NXT into more of a more developmental than scouring the indies at least that's the reports that we've heard. Yeah. Um um I will say that the booking philosophy surrounding WWE where the classic one is like you know, you mentioned Big E winning the championship, Euphoria, myself included. I've, I'm, I'm such a Big E fan. I love that guy, <laughs> both the human and the wrestler. Right. And the next week, he eats a pin, and you go, "Oh fuck! What are like, you doing? How am I supposed to? Can, right? Like, what? Why? Why do, why do they do this?" The classic example of the that kind of WWE booking is somebody who's in their hometown and they lose, and the crowd is just so sad, and it's just. The simple explanation is to to get heat on the person that beats them. But it WWE's continued to do this for years and people are seeing through it now, being everyone being a much more smart fan than twenty years ago, just right. based on the access to information that everyone has now. Everyone sees through it. The direct opposite to that, so the the most one of the most recent examples I could think of is right before the pandemic, uh Bailey was in San Jose, where she's from. She was in the Bay Area. Right. And it was a hero's welcome for Bailey. And she, like, wrestled the match and lost pretty quickly and ate a pin. And you're just like, oh, cool, really awesome for Bailey. And it's just like, let the air out of everything. Yep. And, I like, this is how much it says. I don't remember who she lost. <laughs> so what kind of heat did that put on the other person? Yeah. Conversely, recently AEW goes to Pittsburgh and Britt Baker – DMD, their <laughs> AEW Women's Champion, has touted herself as being from Pittsburgh forever. They're calling it Britsburg. <laughs> she goes back to Pittsburgh, and it is a coronation of coronations. If you, you knew that she was over, but then just based on her presentation, the crowd reaction, she was put over even further. And then she didn't wrestle a match, and she didn't lose immediately. In fact, she went on pay-per-view the next week and won. Right. So she continues to win. She's a huge star. AEW's recognized her being a huge star, and they're giving an audience the recognition of seeing her as a huge star. Yes. WWE has always said that they listen to the audience, and you know they were successful via the way that they booked their territory in the late 90s, early 2000s. That's the way that they were able to put WCW out of business, by exhibiting a better product than WCW was. But they haven't changed. WWE was different. Back in the day, that's how they succeeded. They haven't changed, unfortunately. They have adjusted different ways that they present themselves, but they haven't changed in their overall women's booking... I, just shouldn't, I shouldn't say women's. Men's and women's booking philosophies where it's the same thing over and over again, and you can see through it. You've watched something before, a big pay-per-view, and the... For, they always have a face to face where like the the uh, champion is t in a tag match against the challenger yeah. in a tag match and the challenger will pin the champion and it's like okay well the champion's going over on Sunday because this is how they always book it yeah tell you the story AW look, look see do that he can so beat this nope. guy and then he, yeah he doesn't yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah it's the same thing over and over again and AEW doesn't do that or they recognize that they're doing it, and they'll play into it. They're right. like, we're with you on this, 
It's going to happen. Right. And you, we can all smile as it happens together. One of the best it's, things is I thought... It's just... Yeah. The, it's different. Yeah. If you, you go back to bringing in CM Punk, who left WWE unhappy, beat up, sick of being on the road, sick of the company, all this stuff, and he did an interview on uh, on a podcast, a two-parter, uh, where he just torched the company on his way out. And, and, you know, does the thing that a lot of guys do, I'll never return to, you know, whatever. And f- he goes off and he does the UFC thing, and he's done some acting, and I think he's done some other things, I think with uh, some comics and, and stuff like that. Um, and rumors start to circulate this spring and summer that he might be interested, he might be ready to come back in and work with AEW. And they want to pop a rating. They want this to be a surprise, but they need to find a way to make sure you're going to watch that show. So he's going to come in and eventually wrestle a guy named Darby Allen. And so a few weeks before CM Punk's debut, they're going to be in CM Punk's hometown of Chicago, where he's always over like crazy. A few weeks before that, Darby Mm -hmm. Allen comes out on TV and he doesn't tell you I'm planning to call out CM Punk. He says something along the lines of, you know, I'm great. I can beat anybody, even if you call yourself the best in the world, which is, again, a wink and a nod to wrestling fans who know that before Punk left WWE, that was his, you know, I'm the best in the world. That was his. And you're like, oh, okay. And so they're dropping these breadcrumbs for you where you know what it means and they don't want to spoil necessarily and just come right out and say it. But they've told you, you're probably going to want to watch that Chicago show, right? And it's just a different way of kind of building to these storylines and these um, these debuts. Daniel Bryan had been rumored, Bryan Danielson, whatever, for, uh, to come in for a long time. This last month has been huge, and it probably has dragged some WWE or more mainstream fans to AEW's television than would have before. We saw that. There was an increase in buys on the uh, the pay-per-view where Punk first wrestled and uh, where it was rumored that Brian Danielson would debut. I'm with you that I don't think this is going to cut WWE off at the knees. They can survive. They can move on. They're the, they're the Goliath. But are those moves enough that even without the Monday Night Football thing that, that does cut into Monday Night Raw, that it has put Dynamite kind of on the map or on par with WWE. Are we quite there yet, or are they still kind of... Look, we both know the the Goliath that they are worldwide, but in terms of just weekly television interest, was that enough to kind of pull them neck and neck? Yeah, I would, I would say yes. There is enough intrigue in the wrestling industry that people want to tune in. People want to see what... who. It's turning into who's going to show up next in AEW. Yeah. That's what it's turning into. It's it's what it's... I mean, I can equate it to the pay-per-view all out when Adam Cole and Daniel Brian Danielson showed up on the same pay-per-view. I can only... I, when everyone was going nuts on Twitter, I can only equate it to just like, that's what it would have been like when Scott Hall yeah. or when Hulk Hogan... When Scott Hall showed up on Nitro, sure. along with uh, Kevin Nash a week later, yep, it's insanity that AEW has turned into must-watch television that way. It's most it, it's trust the audience trusts them too. You mentioned that 
they never AEW never explicitly said CM Punk is coming. They just mentioned best in the world. Yeah. That's all they said. Yep. That's all they said. And then they said uh they marketed their their rampage Friday night show in Chicago as the first dance. They said it's going to be a huge show. They never told anybody that CM Punk was coming, but that audience had enough confidence in the company right. that you they knew that it that would show up. They he wasn't coming. They, yes. Can you can you imagine what would have happened if he didn't show up? <laughs> and if it was like I don't know, like Colt Cabana's brother came out or something <laughs> sure, like that. Sure. It would have been absolute anarchy. Yeah. In Chicago, but you have enough trust in the company. You have enough trust of everything that they've done, and they deliver. That's exactly what happened. And that's if that doesn't signal a changing landscape, I'm not sure what will. They This company didn't have to say anything. Just a breadcrumb. Just one breadcrumb, and that's it. And they got some of the big... Like, I will even say, like, Sportsnet's Twitter account tweeted it out. Yep. We're not, we're not a partner of AEW. Right. <laughs> Fact, you're That's with how the big guys. it was yeah. that night, and I know I know for a fact that the person running the our Twitter account that night, like they're not a wrestling fan, right? But they recognize the some gauge happening of, right now, the gauge of intrigue that CM Punk had <laughs> yeah. that night when he came back. I guess I I just I sort of wonder like whether it's sustainable. Whether look WWE every bit as much as AEW is coming up, WWE has been coming down. I personally believe, and I, I'm pretty sure you do too, that the third hour of Raw is is just killing them. Um, it makes it too long of a show to watch, but, you know, the, the USA that's Network... That's never going anywhere. Nope. USA Network likes to have that extra hour to sell commercials, and so that's how that's going to go. But it makes yeah, it WWE just... gets a fuckload of money from that extra hour, too. Yeah. It, it, so... But it makes it hard to watch, man. Like, it's a lot. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> every week to... Um, There's no wrestling fan that disagrees with you there. No. Being like, you know what? I like that third hour. <laughs> I uh, And if you watch all of WWE programming... That's nine hours in a week oh just for the God. main programs. If you're watching main event, God bless you. <laughs> Plus but, whatever monthly pay-per-view might be going on. Exactly. It, and it, then, you know, are you watching NXT UK as well? That's right. something else. Are you going on the network and for some reason watching like King of the Ring 97 or something like that? Um, there's there's so much. And I will say that uh, Errol Helawani, the Canadian MMA journalist, yeah. I'm not sure if you saw this, he did a sit, he had a sit-down interview via BT Sport in the UK. He had a sit-down interview with uh, Nick Khan, who's the CEO of WWE now. Mm. And they said, and he said, uh, the third hour, like there were three hours of Raw, like any chance that's going to be reduced? And he said, oh, if I could, I'd make Raw five hours. Oh my He's God. like, you know, because then we'd make more money that way. He's like, but I understand, like, our writers are pretty taxed as it is, so, like, we'll just keep it at three hours. Any love and, like, for we'll your audience? Because we're pretty taxed. <laughs> yeah. We'll, he said, we'll, we'll keep our programming at seven hours a week, that being Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's are you a worried? lot, but it's not going anywhere. Too much money in, on store. Do you think that AEW is in danger? Because they just recently launched that Friday night show, Rampage, which puts them up to four hours a week. It's still a lot, man. It's a lot for me. I kind of thought that two hours every Wednesday night was was about right, like and refreshing, right? You're going to tell a high paced, you, you know, mm-hmm. you're, it'll be a more high paced show. You're going to tell your stories. You get in, you get out. I don't know, man. It it when Thunder came along, it hurt WCW. It didn't yeah, happen right away to WWE, but when SmackDown came along, it became like the more hours you start tacking on, the less special it feels. I think a little bit. 
Yeah, absolutely. I will say that when W when AEW first agreed for Dynamite to air on TNT, there was already the agreement on on the side that eventually another show would launch on TBS or TNT as well. Who do you think um, so wanted they that? knew that the network they knew the... it was coming. That was that was part of the agreement in terms of uh, making extra money. That that was I think that was the way that they were able to negotiate it. Okay. Um, when it, when when Rampage first start, started coming out, I was like, I'm I'm not sure I'm going to be able to watch this. Yeah. But I think AW will try their damnedest not to make sure to make sure that that isn't just a B show. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> it makes a lot of sense to put different talents that may need some seasoning, not just on AEW Dark, which airs on YouTube, right? Uh, but airs on major national television on Rampage, while still at the same time giving us some pretty goddamn big matches because they recognize that they can't just throw every match on Dynamite. They got to spread it out. You know, when, when it first got announced, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, this is a lot of wrestling all of a sudden. I'm not sure about this. And everybody has flashbacks to WCW Thunder <laughs> and just like what a joke it became. Yes. AEW is different, man. I think you just got to have confidence that this company is smart. They're run by very, very competent people. Head Headline being Tony Khan. Booking being done by the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. It's They're smart, smart people. They have been smart. They've shown that they're smart for a while, and you just got to trust them, I think. You got to trust them until they give you a reason not to. And so far, they haven't given me a reason not to trust that the show will always be good. Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. And, uh, you know, when I do tune in, I, I have enjoyed it. So we'll see how this goes. I got two la- two things I want to touch on here before I let you go. And I know I've, I've kept you here a bit, but let's hit on uh, on CM Punk for a second because I'm a fan. I've, I, I bought. Both as UFC fights, they were not great investments uh, on my part. Um, but I really enjoyed what he was doing in WWE before he left. Uh, you know, he was always entertaining. I listened to both the podcasts. I, I've sort of kept tabs on him, right? And I, I don't know whether I ever thought he'd return to WWE. Although we've seen enough guys who do, right? That you never totally write it off. But I, when I found out, when I saw the thing, and I wasn't watching Dynamite at the time that Darby Allen dropped that best in the world quote, but it made its way all over my Twitter timeline. I'm like, mm-hmm. guess I'll be watching that Friday Night Rampage. Um, when he came out, he looked small and he looked old. Um, I did see the match against Darby Allen and he looked fine. Do you think there's much gas in the tank or is this one of the things that wrestling companies and I, I know you're telling me to trust them but wrestling companies sometimes you know it, it, I don't want to draw the perfect comparison because it's not a per- but Goldberg keeps getting brought back long 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 after he should have yeah. been out of the ring Punk is yeah. not there yet but was the idea for AEW fans to have Punk come to their league like their promotion their company and say yeah I'm here and be is that the high point? The, sh- the fact that he has showed up, popped that rating, was fantastic on the microphone, but it might be downhill from here. Or do you th- still think there's some there's some miles to go there? I definitely think there's miles to go. CM Punk was, again, in being, AEW being very transparent with the audience, Punk was transparent. He said, I'm here because I want to wrestle all the young guys. Yeah. And that's essentially what audiences wanted too. Punk told the audience, I heard you over the last several years chanting CM Punk 
And that's why he came back. He knew that the audience still wanted him. And the audience, I think, is going to respect the fact that he's there to put over young talent. It's another wink and a nod situation where AEW says, you wanted this and we are giving it to you. And Punk wants this. And you, we know that you also want this for Punk. In that being fresh matchups with dudes that you love. Punk mm-hmm. versus Darby Allen. Fuck yeah. We know you wanted it. Here it is. Punk versus uh, Hook taking on a bunch of uh, Taz's team. This is exactly what you wanted to see. Punk in the ring with some young guys. Here it is. Here it is for you. I think that there's definitely a lot of miles to be put on the tires of CM Punk still. Um, I'm, I don't think you're going to see him wrestling every single week. You're going to see him on the show a lot. Yeah. He's. I know that his deal is that he's there for at least several years, and he's not part-time. Hmm. He's going to be there quite often. I don't know if he's going to be in the ring all the time. But he's going to make his presence felt a lot, a lot of the time. Do you and think- I think that their wrestling fans aren't going to tire of CM Punk anytime soon. I don't, I don't think they will. Was it a mistake to put him over Darby Allen? I, I think you could tell two stories there, right? He's coming back. I think you can easily keep him strong by saying it's first match in seven years, right? And and he's facing this guy who's been active and he's really good and you, you can put that guy over. One of the things that killed WCW is you bring back the big name older stars and have them keep beating your young guys. This is one match. I'm not saying that's what AEW's done yet, but you know, at the you can only keep somebody strong as a top guy so often as long as he keeps winning, right? If you, if you if he's there to put over a lot of the young guys you know, does it hurt the luster a little bit? Like, this is going to be a really delicate balance to walk, I think. You're real goddamn cynical, Matty. You know I, I mean. This is true, man. This is true. <laughs> I, you listen, know what I'm saying, though, right? Like, question, you can't just come in and beat the, everybody. Sure. Where's the point? Like, The question is, there's merit to it. It's warranted. And I think that years of scarring via WWE booking will, <laughs> it will do that to any professional wrestling viewer. Kevin's telling me to get Absolutely. out of here. Absolutely. No, no, no. Listen, it makes sense to ask the question. Why would CM Punk defeat Darby Allen, one of their brightest up-and-coming talents coming through? And especially when a loss a isn't going to hurt ways. him, right? Like, oh, he's just rusty. He'll be fine. Like, it's an easy story. Did the loss really hurt Darby Allen either? You tell me. I, I don't I personally don't think I personally don't think it did. Okay. And this is another situation where I say, what is CM Punk building towards? Mm-hmm. Um if if he wrestles uh if he wrestles Hook next or or Hobbs or uh Ricky Starks and he beats one of those guys, is is it gonna really, really hurt them? I'm not sure. It's gonna be one of those situations where CM Punk went over, but the other guy got over. Right. They, they, AEW can do a lot of that, and they have proved that they can do a lot of that. Um, it's another... I don't have a definitive answer to the question as why they did it, but I can only say that, I, again, I don't have a reason to think that it was dumb. I'm, I'd still, I still think that Darby Allen's pretty rad. Yeah. Um, we could see like, like some six man tags with Darby and Sting and CM Punk and like that'd be pretty fucking cool too. Sure. Um, Sting tagging with CM Punk that'd be pretty rad. Yeah. You know we've never seen something like that before. <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot to do. 
there's a there's a lot of different story storylines that we could move towards with CM Punk and him defeating Darby Allen or losing to Darby Allen. I don't think that it would di- divert those storylines in any significant way. So the result of that match, it doesn't bother me too much. Um, it, it was a fine match. It was fun, but it was what it was, and we move on. I think this week uh, they have. Back-to-back events, I believe they're calling Grand Slam, which is uh, Dynamite mm-hmm. Wednesday and Friday Night yeah. Rampage, uh, and they have loaded it up. And one of the things that I think they are doing correctly is the pay-per-views are not one a month like WWE does, where it becomes a, a bit much. They have four a year. Too much, yeah. And in between, they will occasionally build up you know, one of their Wednesday night shows or whatever to be basically pay-per-view quality, and you get it for free. And that's essentially what they've done this week. And they're coming into New York, which is, you know, traditionally known as WWE. WWE's backyard. That's right. That's their territory. Mm-hmm. So they're coming into Arthur Ashe Stadium. Uh, they have sold a ton of tickets, and they have loaded this thing up. One of the things on the card that, you know, they're selling is Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega, the AEW world champion, well-renowned around the world as, you know, one of the best professional wrestlers right now. And I'm sure one of the main reasons that Brian Danielson chose to come to AEW was to work with people like that. You almost stumble into, and you'll forgive me as my cynical self starts to slide back in here just a little bit. Unbelievable. I know. One of the things that TNA always caught shit for was taking WWE's cast-offs, putting them over their guys, and you you just sort of become a WWE knockoff. I don't think that's what AEW does. But I wonder how you would book that title match. Because Brian Danielson is not a WWE cast-off. He chose to leave. He wasn't punted out the door. He wasn't no longer um, valuable, anything like that. But you have now instantly set yourself up for, does the WWE guy come in and beat our world champion? Or do we immediately sort of cut the knees out from under Brian Danielson by having him lose to our guy, which is probably the road I would take, or does it not feel like maybe we're screaming out for a, a bit of a fuck finish here where, uh, you know, maybe nobody goes over a clean? How would you handle this uh, this huge main event? I would put Omega over still. I would, I would Kenny Omega would defeat Daniel Bryan, uh, but before... Before coming to that conclusion, I will say that this match is going to fucking rule. Yes. I am so excited I'm for excited it. I'm excited for These are too. Daniel Bryan, conclusively one of the best wrestlers of the past 15 years in professional wrestling. 15 plus years. He's been so good. Kenny Omega might be the best professional wrestler in the world today. Yep. If not top, at least top five. And top five for the last five plus years, probably. Two of the greatest wrestlers in the world going at it in this huge stadium show on television for free. Unreal. Unbelievable. It's so fucking cool that we're going to get this match. Um, Having said that, I think that Omega should go over still. I think that uh, Daniel Bryan losing ain't going to do anything to Daniel Bryan. Right. Um, I think that, I think think he could be clean, you know? I, I if Daniel Bryan loses clean to Kenny Omega, what's that going to do? Kenny Omega's a dominant champion right now. Yep, he's barely lost. He lost to Christian Cage. He lost the Impact Championship, and that was it. That was that's really his only loss over the last few now, months. Now let me hit you with this. Uh, let me just 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 because I 
I'm going to just lean into my heel persona now, apparently. When Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and Saturn and Malenko defected from WCW on night one. Yeah, on night one in the company, Triple H pedigrees Benoit, pins him. Uh, Same time frame. It might have been a little bit earlier. Taz wins the ECW title from Mike Awesome and then comes into WWE for one night. Triple H pedigrees him, pins him. We hated that. We mm-hmm. that was a shitty thing to do, right? You you killed both of those guys. Why is this different? Well, I will say that Kenny Omega ain't no Triple H. No, and Kenny he's Omega not. does not represent. Kenny Omega doesn't represent what Triple H represented in WWE. Daniel Bryan's not coming over from a rival promotion that everyone loved. Daniel Bryan's coming over from WWE that people are having very mixed feelings about right now, Mm -hmm. if not a lot of people really not liking it. So Daniel Bryan is loved coming from an organization that people didn't love. So if he loses, people aren't going to say, oh, fuck, of course they beat him because AEW just is this benevolent organization that can never lose. They have the greatest wrestlers. Right. Like, no, that's not going to happen. They have... And he might be a little less tenuous, right? Like, he won't, as you suggested, he won't be buried. Like, those other two guys coming in needed a bit of a rub, right? Needed a little bit of a hand and didn't get it. Um, He might, as you suggested, maybe he doesn't need it, right? He is coming from the bigger place to the smaller, if we want to call it that. Maybe he can handle a loss a little easier than those other two. He would a thousand percent be able to handle this loss. I mean, Daniel Bryan is also bigger than Taz, sure. Chris Benoit, yep. Perry Saturn, Eddie Guerrero, and Dean Malenko. Uh, he's Daniel. Br- it's just, it's a I I can understand the comparison, but it's it's very very different in the presentation and what here, everybody man. in what in what everybody's getting. I think that the thing that everyone's going to focus on most. I don't even think that there's a lot of people saying like, oh, who's going to win? I think that the excitement is just in the fact that this match is happening. Yeah. And there are so many different ways to go with whomever is victorious at the end of this match, whoever can come out on top. <laughs> it, it There's just too many different ways to go for me to focus on a outcome rather than how we got here. And Daniel Bryan actually, something came out in the Players' Tribune today where he he wrote, it was a thank you to WWE, and he talked about how tomorrow night is his dream match against Kenny Omega. Bryan has recognized the fact that Kenny is one of the greatest wrestlers in the world for the last several years, and Daniel Bryan wants to wrestle him. So that's why this is a dream match. Already massive, massive babyface points for mm-hmm. because or for Brian Danielson because everyone's going to recognize the fact that he, he knows that wrestling fans are going to read that and they're gonna, he's going to say, like, they know that this is a huge, great match and I'm going to give it to them. Whatever the consequence of the outcome or whatever the outcome is, it ain't going to matter. People are still going to love Daniel Bryan. People are still going to respect Kenny Omega. It's just going to be awesome. It's... AEW is just so different in everything that has come before it in being a major wrestling organization. I I think that's a great point, man. As as my cynical heart cools, right, or warms, or I don't even know where I'm going with that analogy, I find myself watching WWE, even their biggest shows, and even as my interest has 
you know, ebbed and flowed over the years. I never miss WrestleMania. But I watch mm-hmm. WrestleMania like, I wonder how they're going to book this. I wonder how they get out of this. I wonder, when I, whereas when I turn on AEW, there is still that part of me but you're just like, oh, that was cool, right? Like, I find myself able to, you know, just enjoy the show more than I do on uh, on WWE. And so, I guess the final thing we'll, we'll close on here. This is a huge thing that they're in New York City to do this this week in WWE's backyard and drawing big numbers. And there was another card. I guess there's a brand new arena in New York. I'm not super familiar with it, called the US, uh, UPS Arena. And AEW is planning to run that very soon as well. And have significantly, I think, by like a three-to-one uh, tally, they're drawing more than what WWE's next New York show right now um, looks like it's going to do. They're outselling tickets, which in many cases is a better barometer than TV just because of, you know, all, all kinds of... You, you don't know who you're up against on TV that week or what's going on. Um, but in New York, they are outdrawing wwe right now does it matter at all and in a year from now if we were to host this show will there be a noticeable aew is more popular than wwe and i'm not suggesting wwe is going under they're too huge worldwide for that to be the case or are we going to look at kind of a neck and neck and these guys are kind of going to be the underdog and, and maybe that's not even the right term for a while or could they legitimately if not in money made every year, just sort of in noticeable popularity, could they pass WWE in the next calendar year? Yeah, I would say I would say yes. I would say that even right now, amongst the hardcore fans, for lack of a better term, AEW is more popular. Yeah, right now, even for myself, I find my job is for a lot. It's not my particular job at Sportsnet, <laughs> but. It's part I, of. Yeah. I watch a lot of wrestling. I watch a lot of WWE programming, but even like fuck, I can't watch seven hours of wrestling <laughs> every single week. But it's just it's too it's too much, you know. And plus, I play hockey on Monday nights, so it's, you know I got to come home and rewatch it. Right. Yeah. 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 Anyway, <laughs> uh, I can watch. I can watch it on. I skimming through it at work. Um, <laughs> but I do want to make sure that I watch AEW every week because it's so damn good. It's just so, it's different, it's interesting, there's better matchups, there seems like there's more respect for the audience, there's more, the wrestlers... But you're a hardcore. Seem like they're ha- it seems like the wrestlers are having yeah. a better time, everyone's having It's a hard habit to fun. break. People associate wrestling with WWE, and they always have, but now over the last 20 years with no WCW, ECW, more than anything else, if you're watching wrestling, it's been WWE... That's a hard habit to to crack people out of, and and like uh, the analogy I've used, you know, in promoting that you were coming on is that AEW for wrestling nerds is by far the better show, and I say nerds lovingly, right? Like every genre has oh, yeah. its, yeah. it's by far the better show. But to talk people out of WWE into this new one, that's the hard thing to do, right? That's the hard egg to crack. I have, there's a lot of people at Sportsnet who will still only watch WWE. Mm-hmm. They just say that, you know, like, AEW uh, is just, it's a little too, uh, it's a little too dorky for me, or it's a little <laughs> too, it's, there's a little too 
it's too much of a wink and a nod for right. me. Okay. Um, and I, I can say, all right, I, I can respect that. But there are people at Sportsnet who are the hardest of hardcore fans yeah. who will only watch AEW yeah. now. Not even pay attention to WWE. Right. And that's where WWE's lost so much, where the hardcore fans used to say, like, oh, yeah, like, that was a good, you know, like, AJ Styles and Randy Orton wrestled on Raw this week. And, like, that could be a pay-per-view match. They've wrestled before, yes. But it doesn't matter. Right. AJ Styles a few weeks ago wrestled uh, Matt Riddle. And, like, that was a great match. Mm -hmm. Nobody cared. Right. No, Nobody watched. The hardcore fans at least didn't watch. Like, that was a good, I watched that match, and it was good. It was really, it was really good. AJ Styles, still one of the best wrestlers in the world. Matt Riddle, up and coming, yep. still continues to be fantastic. But nobody watched. Instead, people are turning over to watch AEW because they respect the product. And people have stopped too. respecting yeah. Yeah. WWE's presentation. Yeah. So give me one name as we get out of here, and I'm not going to let you say Kevin Owens. One name that oh. you could see fitting in really well when his WWE contract rolls out uh, and expires. There's already been rumors that Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen yep. may, you know, be coming to the end of his contract and may be interested in going to AEW. Time will tell whether that's the case. So not going to let you have that. One name in WWE that, you know, maybe you know their contract status, maybe you don't, but you go, I'd, that would be fun. I'd really like to see that person end up in AEW. Well, there was this one particular masked luchador back in the day who I respected, went by the name of El Generico. No one knows what happened to him. No one knows what happened to him. But uh, there's one man in WWE who really reminds me of him, and that being Sami Zayn, who if you actually take the name Sami Zayn and put it into a Google Translate and you translate it to Arabic and then back to English. Okay. I've never it done It translates this. to El Generico. Oh. That's fun. Wow. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Fun little thing. <laughs> Anyways, um, Sami Zayn would do extremely, like, so so goddamn well in AEW. He's just, he kind of fit, he fits the mold of AEW where, like, you know, he's not the biggest dude. And people have said, like, maybe AEW needs some bigger dudes. And, like, I can respect that for sure. Just because it can't just be all 180-pound sure. guys wrestling each other. Um but Sammy would do so so well in AEW. I think his his heel run in WWE has been incredible. Yes, we've seen the babyface runs that he's put on. Incredible. Sammy would be so so good. And from what I understand, his contract's up next summer, uh, July. I think uh, I read that his contract's up. I don't have any inside knowledge myself. Right. But I think that Sammy would be an outstanding addition to the AEW roster. And would fit in incredibly well. Another Canadian too. Can't love that. that. Love that company being built on the back of Canadians. Uh, this is awesome, man. Every now and then, I love being able to nerd out on some uh, on some wrestling, and and this has been as intrigued by the wrestling business as I've been in a very long time. And I, I like I said, I come and go on the big shows, and I I, I watch them. And every now and then, there's it's almost like a, a habit built in like there's something that kind of twitches at 9 p.m on monday night where you're supposed to watch wrestling and i i just really haven't um but i do find myself more and more often turning on aew just to see what they're up to what might it's just fresh right it's just different and i i yep. like that it's different yep. i like that you don't know who might be coming out next i i like not knowing exactly what's gonna happen um 
So this has been great. I, I appreciate you coming on, kind of clarifying where the industry's at right now. It does seem to be, I think it's a little different than the crossover of the late 90s where WCW kind of got fat on all the guys who were already built, right? Like their their thing was, here's Hogan, here's Nash, here's Hall, here's Piper, here's Warrior, here's Sting, here's guys at Flair. It was fresh, it was new because a bunch of them had moved companies, but, you know, their their best years were behind AEW is using those older guys sprinkled in amongst this young exciting group that you've never seen before and it's it's just a different vibe it is more interesting to sit down and watch if I'm going to watch a wrestling show this week and and these next two nights uh, Wednesday and Friday uh, the Grand Slam as they're calling it is going to be awesome and uh, I appreciate you making some time to to come in and do this man yeah man it's an awesome time to be a wrestling fan it's like if WCW gave opportunities to Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho and uh, Eddie Guerrero, if if they got the opportunities to be the big stars, it's you're kind of seeing what WCW might yeah. might be like in AEW right now in some of AEW's younger stars and and sometimes very it's literally. Only, it's, here's Sting. Here's Tully Blanchard. Here's like, yeah, still yeah. hanging around on TNT television. It's uh, it's awesome. AEW is a lot of fun, and this is also isn't to say that WWE isn't still good because they yeah. can still put out some pretty goddamn good matches. Yep, and good stuff still. Like Roman Reigns is still super he's cool, so man. So good. Like, he's so he's, he's good been, as a heel. He's he's been incredible. Um, Big E was awesome. Just don't cut him off the next week like no, that. There's, yeah. like, there's there's just it just seems like WWE has to get out of their own way a little bit. There's just something hanging around that we want everyone to look good. So if this guy beats that guy, if Kevin Mickey beats me this week, I better make sure that I beat Kevin Mickey next week. So neither one of us are hurt. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, now neither. Yeah, we don't both, need the 50, 50 book. Yeah. We're both just losers now. Like instead of one of us, at least being a winner, like, which is me. I'll, le- I'll leave. I'll leave with this on, on the high note. Like Biggie is one of the most exceptional human beings. I think that you could ever meet in the professional wrestling business. Every single account I've heard via WWE channels, so that's with, you know, with no, or with uh, with slant, someone could say, but sure. also outside WWE channels, so with no slant, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Big E. He, his work in the ring has always been great. The New Day in general, outstanding. So Big E looks the part of a heavyweight champion. And he's just, I'm so fucking happy for that guy, man. Because I've heard so many stories of people just, I heard the story from Kenny Omega once where he said like, he was concerned about going to WWE because guys like Big E still weren't champion. And he's like, I don't understand why Big E is not champion. Look at him and look how awesome he is. And you look at Big E and you go, he's right. Mm -hmm. Look how awesome this guy is. And now that Big E has finally gotten that chance and he's at the top of the company as WWE champion, it's so cool. And let's not forget that back-to-back black WWE champions, like representation matters so goddamn much. I believe I read was the first time a black man pinned another black man to become WWE champion, where that was your main event, right? And I know it was the money in the bank thing, but yeah, you got to elevate, right? You got to... And it just... The point that it really makes is how few black men have been pushed to that level that this is the first time one has pinned another to become champion it's 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 inspiring yeah. it is and i i hope that biggie and bobby lashley have both inspired 
a younger generation of minorities to yeah. want to pursue their dreams and see themselves at, as champions because that's exactly what this probably did. Uh, Biggie, incredible human being, incredible wrestler, and I'm so happy to see that he's WWE champion because he rules. And, you know, that's one of the things WWE did in response to all this AEW noise. They'll, they'll tell you that it had nothing to do with it, but, I mean, they rejigged their entire tag team plans to set this up and make this happen. Um, mm -hmm. So they clearly know what AEW is doing, and they're responding to it. Um, as you said, Big E, absolutely deserving, and hopefully they push him to the moon and uh, and really make this kind of a thing that uh, that we can kind of get behind and, and build them back up. And it's good. Yeah. Competition's good. People need to be kicked in the ass, right? You need to you need to know somebody's pushing you. And so if this is something that also pushes WWE to be better because AEW is doing so well, that's fantastic for wrestling fans as well, man. So uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Um, he is on... Uh, uh, it's just at Kevin Mickey. At Kevin Mickey. There's no punctuation, Matt. You don't know what you're talking about. K-E-V-I-N-M-I-C-H-I-E. Right on, man. Uh, there you go. Love that. Yeah. And uh, Kevin has been also popping up, as we mentioned off the top, on Tim and Friends, uh, voicing some of your highlights across all your Sportsnet platforms. And uh, whenever there's big wrestling news to be talking about, he's normally the guy that's handling it for Sportsnet. Really appreciate you making some time, man. This has been great. And I, I, like I said, I love nerd note on this stuff, and you're the guy when that happens that uh, that I want to call. So thank you for making, making some time for TCA. Anytime, buddy. Always happy to do it. Always happy to have a bevy with you. Nope. <laughs> and uh, hopefully now as the pandemic winds down, hoping to get into Toronto, catch up with some of these friends at TCA, and uh, I got some rounds to pay off. So uh, we'll buy you a pint when we get down to the city and, and make that happen. Uh, for Kevin Mickey, a friend of TCA, and a friend of Tim on uh, Sportsnet, my name's Matt Robinson, and we will see you all next time. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.